welcome back to the Flix Forum podcast with Jesse and MJ, where each episode we go back and look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This is our 17th day of Podmas, where we are putting out an episode every day in the lead up to Christmas. Today, we have Netflix's 65th film, the 2018 biographical comedy drama A Futile and Stupid Gesture. It's directed by David Wayne and it stars an ensemble cast including Will Forte and Dominal Gleeson. Hello. Podmas. Podmas. <laughs> they said it was a good idea. It was a good idea at the time. Ah, oh, still it's we still get to see each it's other. It's fun. I'm enjoying it. But it's a, it's a commitment. Good. We, well we done are... to all those podcasters out there who are doing Podmas this year. Well done. I hope imagine if we're the only ones. Yeah, it'd be embarrassing. Wouldn't it? That'd be so embarrassing. Like, it was like a thing. <laughs> <laughs> the, the podcast community is like, "Hey, those bloody fixed forum boys are actually doing it." <laughs> no one's stupid enough to do it. <laughs> uh, wow. So we start our show with our fast flicks, where we do a quick summary of the film. MJ, what is your summary of a futile and stupid gesture? My fast flicks is the little-known story inside. Uh, of National Lampoon co-founder Doug Kenny as we dig deeper into a darkness that has plagued the minds of numerous comics for generations. Nice. I liked it. Um, Very similar, I've said. This is the story of Doug, the co-creator of National Lampoon and his struggles with life. You rarely use a character's name in a fast flicks. I I thought I needed emphasis on this because to me, and we'll get into this, this is Doug's story. This is is Doug. Is it... Also because it's a, based on a true story that you felt more... Maybe. Relevant. Possibly. I, yeah. I, to me, that Doug is all that matters in this. Sure, yeah. Nothing else like matters. Yeah. I'm glad that I noticed that. that was, you did. That was, a, that was a good pickup. Very good pickup. So we like to try and check out what we can see about our films that we cover each day in Podmas. Did you find anything about the making of this film? Yeah. I, so this is based on the best-selling book of the same name, um from Josh Carp in 2006. Yep. Which I, I, I'm, I'd i be fascinated to read. Um, I was fascinated by most of this story because a lot of it you don't know. Yeah. Um, and whilst it's always nice to sit back for two hours and watch it visually <laughs> appear in front of you, I'm sure there's probably a few more nuggets within the in, book. In the book, I'm sure there would be. Yeah. Missed out on. They'd um, probably translate better than maybe on the screen sometimes too. Yeah. Well, this, this movie was still made for entertainment purposes, right? Yeah. So... Um, It'd be interesting to see how that book actually plays out, so hmm. I'll keep an eye on that. Um, so they began shooting in LA in April April 14 of 2016. Yep. Um, and then the film had its world premiere at the 2018 Sundance Film Festival on Jan 24. So then it released two days later. Two days later. Sorry, quick turnaround. Yeah. Two days later, it released on Jan 26, 2018 on Netflix. Very quick turnaround. Yeah. It had a budget of 30 mil. Which Good. is a decent sort of budget for, for, uh, yeah. for Netflix at this at this point. So you you got some ballparks for us? I always do, Jesse. I know you do. I, I know always you do. do. You'd never come to a show without them. The most successful $30 million film is actually the 1984 Ghostbusters. Oh. Um, Inflation's probably pumps up to about so 100. That's a, good, that's a bloody good effort. Um, in terms of some more modern comedy... In fact, this is not a bad comedy sort of budget. So we've got things like... Crazy Rich Asians, Big Daddy, American Pie 2, um, Dodgeball, Ace Ventura. So a lot of those Mm, kind of comedy films. um, Not dissimilar to this one. Yeah, good. So 
I'm sure most of the money for all these films goes to cast with uh, in that sense. The, the cast in this was pretty crazy when, was, you, when you think about it. But then you also... Very, they would have only had to do like a day, most of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But then I wonder how much of it is them sort of paying homage to to the work of National Lampoon and maybe, you know, getting, getting to been, play yeah. people who might have been their idols, like someone's playing John Belushi, yeah. Bill Murray. Like, yeah, Just being cool. involved in this would be a pretty cool thing to say yeah, to you. Yeah, you get that vibe, don't you? Got anything else? Um, uh, I've also just sort of found it interesting the whole uh, Joel McHale who played <laughs> Chevy Chase is this a community reference yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, have you watched much community I only watched a little bit for Donald Glover in the oh, earlier yeah. seasons yeah so I watched I, I've only ever watched like probably six or seven episodes um, and it's not bad not a bad show but I just find it interesting that these two guys work together and Joel McHale actually played Chevy Chase um, but obviously Chevy Chase gave his blessing yeah. to do it and you think a guy would I mean he's playing a very different Chevy Chase than you know <laughs> the current Chevy Chase but things like mannerisms and stuff would, yeah. would be would be pretty well to pick up but I, I'd be terrified if I was Joel McHale because it's, it's, it's be such a hard role to play someone especially you know. if you know the person yeah, yeah. yeah. and I think you know, like you know Chevy actually like gave him a couple of extra stories too about yeah, some about, things that actually happened because from what I can gather you know Doug Kenny and Chevy Chase were like best mates mm. at the time. So um, before we get any further, we should Spoiler mention, alert. Yeah, yeah, not that we didn't really go there. But, not yet. But um, if you haven't seen this film uh, and you'd like to watch it, we're probably going to spoil it in the next half hour. Or... I'll probably spoil it right now. There like, we go. If, this is a very just timely, with a little bit of a timely spoiler a alert. Bit of our, yeah. Turn it off right now. Go watch it, and then you can where you press pause. Don't even like unlock your phone or anything. Don't lock your phone. Just go straight back to your phone. And press play. And then we can and then you can listen. Sounds good. Go so on, see you in two hours. So the end of this film. So the end of this film. Um, you know, Doug is our main character, and they sort of um, insinuate that he committed suicide mm-hmm. at the end of this film. So in fact, you know, his death was ruled accidental by the police. So I think that's a maybe that's a little bit of an artistic license that they did to sort of make yeah. this this film happen. But yeah, uh, you can see the ambiguity in. Uh in how he died and yeah um, exactly I think it would be really difficult to say not knowing the true story basing it off this film it'd be pretty hard to say that it was suicide wouldn't it like to, to say completely uh, factually this guy committed suicide yeah um, yeah alright but then you know that quote in, there's a quote in the film from Howard Ramos said he probably fell while he was looking for a place to jump was actually a real quote from real life. Oh, really? Yeah, that, oh, that wow. he said. The same guy said. So, it's not like they were sort it was of under a bit down and out at the moment at that time. He absolutely was. For to be honest, arguably for his entire adult life. Yeah. Well, you mentioned a little bit before about the budget, thirty mm-hmm. mil. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of locations for this film. Yeah. I don't. I don't think we've we've seen a lot of films that have had this many locations across the states. Hit me. They filmed in California, like all over California. They yeah. actually filmed in a lot of the studios in okay. Hollywood, yep. as well as around and about. They went to New York for scenes in New York. They were actually like, you know, sometimes they, you know, they'll do it all on a, on a, yeah, yeah, on a set. It, just make it work. They went to Boston for hard, the Harvard scenes. Yeah, right. They went to Hawaii for the Hawaii scenes. Yeah. So you could have cheated all then. They could have, yeah. And, but they actually went on location to those places. So. Well, that's, you know, credit to proper filmmaking and yeah. wanting to tell this story in a way that it's actually supposed to be told. Yeah. Um, 
I was going to make a point about that, but it's gone. So continue. Did you see it was nominated for a couple of awards? I did see that actually, so, yeah. So it was nominated for the California On Location Awards as the assistant location manager. Well done. And the other one, we see this a lot in Netflix films. It was nominated at the Golden Trailer Awards, but not actually for the trailer. I was say that, yeah. It was nominated for the Best Comedy Poster. So they actually do poster awards at the trailer awards as well. Why not? You need the graphic designers yeah, to... which uh... is cool. And I didn't mind the poster on this. So it's clever. It's clever because it, it sort of shows a scene where they're doing the front cover for one yeah. of their magazines. And I thought that was cool. As Which well. I imagine is probably one of their more famous um, covers. Covers. Yeah. We should probably both preface that this is mainly based, you know, throughout the 70s. I think... I think a little bit in the 80s. Yeah, very much. Mainly like a 70s, late, late 60s, 70s and before yeah. our time, really. Well before our time. Did you, Had you heard of Doug Kenny? No. Yeah. No, and I said, think... Yeah. That's the perception. I, the, David Wayne basically said he made this movie um, expecting people who hadn't no. heard of him. And I think they probably did sort of one of the opening scenes where they have uh, Doug, the older Doug version, sitting there. And in the background, literally behind him, it was like one of those press curtains where it had the logo of every sort of Animal national land. Yeah. And that sort of gave you that idea straight away. Okay, this is the guy who helped with these things. Got no idea who he is, but this is his story. Cool, and, yeah. And I, I like that that set up. That was good. Absolutely. What about the consensus for this one? Really positive. Yeah. Really positive. It's got a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, which is huge. Yeah. 11,361 ratings. It's on the higher end. It's good. That's that's enough of a sample size for someone to go, this is a 6.8 out of 10. Mm. What I loved is on Letterboxd, 3.1 out of 5. So not as high, but still a good score. Yeah. 11,744. Yeah. Did you say 46? Yeah. So you, you must have done it a couple of days later than I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did it in the Salvo. So uh, two more people people watched it since I did it. That's awesome. Um, but there was more people that rated it on Letterboxd than there was on IMDb. IMDb I love yeah. that. This is a, this well, is this a film, is a film, film. film. This is a filmy film. I like it. This was another one where I had the, the Google thing on the side said how many percentage of Google users like this film. Oh yeah, what was that? 93%. Which yeah, is, this is, that's huge. Hella popular. <laughs> Did you, did you have a look at Rotten Tomatoes? I never do. Silly but I, I do like to... I, 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 half the reason I don't do it is because I, you know, I like to have a surprise on recording day. I only check it out for the show. No, obviously, you because, to, yeah. yeah. I'm never going to base my movie viewing based on Rotten Tomatoes, but 67% on 43 reviews. Critics. So it's critics. Yeah, right. So 67% gives it a fresh. So that's a fresh rating. It's been a while since we've had a, a fresh rating. Um, yeah. Audience was 72% on 513. They're, they're pretty high scores. Mm. This was this was a really popular, loved movie. Mm. Not bad at all. And I'd never heard of it until we yeah. had to watch it for this pod. Did you have a Netflix match, percentage match? So on Ooh. Netflix, they sometimes give you a percentage match whether you're going to like this film or you not. You know what? I actually don't think I did on this you film. Did? You know how sometimes they just don't have it on there? Yeah. I didn't have it on this one, but I gave it a thumbs up. Oh, good. Well, <laughs> get into the early yeah, thoughts early. What did you have? I got a match on this. Yep. 97%. <laughs> That's a big one. That's pretty high. Yeah, that's a like, really big one. There's only a 3% chance I'm not going to like this. Maybe just because everyone likes it. They're just like, well, possibly you, you like it. So, so you've, you've sort of jumped the... Jumped the yeah, well, sorry. Jumped the shit. What, what, what's the... Jump the gun? Well, what's that other one? You, the other saying that you said yesterday? I can't oh, shoot the shit. Shoot the shit. You oh. shoot the shit on that. I think you said jump the ship. I'm like, <laughs> no, no just... that's, that's like going man overboard. Oh, no, no. So what are your jump early the gun. Th- my... Jump the gun. What are I... your early thoughts? Yeah, I. this was an enjoyable watch. Um... I was never in stitches. In fact, the comedy in the film was nothing more than like a chuckle here and there, which yep. is fine. But I was constantly engaged and the 100 minute runtime went very fast because um, I just kind of kept waiting for recognizable names and moments and things that I'd 
sort of understand. But I do have to say right off the bat, like, and I, we're probably going to get into this even more, but the narration of old Doug Kenny was actually quite brilliant. Like, I was obviously, as I said, not familiar with his name or his story and I had no reason to think that he wasn't alive and well right now. Yeah. Um, I actually started to think throughout the movie that oh, I kind of wish they didn't reveal him to be alive now because he seems to be doing well and I'm, I'm sort of wondering when he's, you know, when or if his life's going to blow up, but I guess it's not going to blow up because he's still around. Um, and I got the rug pulled out from me beautifully um, because at its essence, this is a biopic of a troubled man that ends in tragedy, right? But this is a man who... The story of this man is what's interesting about it, right? And it's fun and it's crass and it's self-referential. And that doesn't work telling that tragedy story without doing it this way. So yeah. it was such a clever device um, that they used and they did it so well. I just I just have to mention that straight away. Good. Yeah, well, a lot of the stuff I've read about this was very negative about what you just said. So right? a lot of it was like, if you knew his actual story and you knew that he was no longer alive, then that old version of him, they... A lot of people were saying that's a lazy storytelling tactic. If you if you knew him, if you knew him, oh, yeah, well, yeah, but that's so so obviously like but if you knew his story, then obviously, or if you've read the book, then you're gonna go into this film and see the old and be a little bit confused. Yeah, confused, absolutely. Yeah. But as I said, like David Wayne made this, made film, this film, expecting yeah. that no, but David Wayne himself, who is a man who's been around comedy for yeah, a long time, a didn't didn't know Doug Kenny okay. before he started directing this film. So if he doesn't like, it's not. Like a lot of people wouldn't have known him. Yeah, um, that's interesting. What did you think of that? Uh, well, yeah, like I'm the same as you. I had no inkling whatsoever that was how their film was going to end at all. Yeah, and yeah, it was. I was like, wow, I can't believe that. And I guess this is Netflix, so they've got every ability to end a film like this. Like yeah. I, I couldn't see a film like this being put on the big screen you know, selling out the multiplexes sure. with an ending like this because the executives or the test screens are going to be like, what? You're kidding me. Like, you can't. you got to have a happy ending. But that's, that's but what, a, what a great way to tell. Oh, I'm not I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm yeah, just saying, yeah. I'm just saying no, like, true, that is true, why true, this is, this, yeah, that's gotta, why this is a, yeah, this, that's why this is a Netflix film and that's yeah. why it works well on Netflix yeah. and not yeah, true. being sold. I still think this would have actually been quite popular at the cinemas, but um, for what it's worth, it's such a clever way to tell a tragic story about a man who was all about humor. Hmm. So how can you tell this story that's still being true to the tone of the person that he was? Oh, but, yeah, but I, 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 just, I didn't dislike it at all. I'm no, just, I know. I'm, I'm, just, I'm not, yeah. sorry. I'm just saying yeah. like, I just think I, it blew me away how clever this technique was. It was so good. Really so yeah, clever. yeah, well, like to me, this is a character study to me. And that's how I watched and enjoyed this film was if, if anyone tries to tell you that this is anything other than a movie about Doug, then I, to me, they're kidding you because this is a, like, this is a story I didn't know. Um, so I liked it from that point of view, but to me, this is, this is just, this should be like, to me, the title's Doug story almost. And maybe that gives it away too early, but to me, nothing, anything else that happened in this film didn't matter. Like, it's nice to know these little historical events that are happening, but to me, this is about Doug. What do you think about the birth of a certain type of comedy? Um, that's all wrapped up in the mind of one troubled man. I, I think there's there's still an element of that National Lampoon comedy and the way that it transcended the world that, that lives in this film too. A little bit, but... And that's maybe something we'll talk about later. There are parts about the National Lampoon that I probably would have liked to have known more about or would have enjoyed more in the film. And but that, but that's 
because I took it as a character study rather than taking it as about National Lampoon. Okay. And that, that's probably just how I took the film, I guess. So another thing that I liked about this film that I know you like about films too mm-hmm. is I, I love movies that are about Hollywood. Yep. That gives you that inside look and how much of this is true, you know. No, yep. but um, I wanted way more of the Hollywood side of things. But do you... So that I, I, I still just... That setting itself just puts me at ease almost in a film. Yep. It, it's always just like an automatic tick. Did that still work for you? But you obviously wanted a bit more. I, there would have been hundreds of stories about Animal House and Caddyshack that they you could have had just a film about. Yeah, yeah. And I probably would have enjoyed that just as much as the yeah, rest of the yeah, story. Yeah. But I get like they did spend a lot of time about the development of the magazine yeah, and, and the brand. And, yeah, and the brand. And that was more the focus of that side of things. Whereas, yeah, I would have liked to have seen more of that side. It of things, almost yeah. makes you wanting though, right? Because as soon as you see the very opening scene, as you said, with the press board behind about National Lampoon, yeah. You're just like, cool, like when are we going to get, you know, Christmas vacation? And- yeah, because that that's what's recognizable to the audience is yeah. the, the films. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, if absolutely. you're our age, you don't have a connection to the magazine. You don't have a connection to the, magazine, the radio yeah. show, no. that type of thing. So, But the names though, you get the, the names you get, Belushi yeah. and yeah. Chase and, and all those kind of people start to pop in there. And but then, you know, they write that off. We don't have enough time for all these characters. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah it was clever too. But yeah, like to, to me, and maybe that's, Different generations or different age groups will take it a different way. To me, I'm like, yep, cool. Absolutely. I see in the no, you're very, concert, very right as well. well. Yep, you're very right. Cool. All right. Well, what about let's look at some characters. And I th- is there any character in particular that you think stood out that you might want to talk about? Oh, I'm not <laughs> sure if this is a is this a character study. I don't know. Yeah, well, Doug. Talk, can you talk to me about uh, the movie that should have been called Doug's Story? So to me, Doug's just this disappointment in life. Well, that's his perception of things. And you got to remember this film is from his point of view. The whole thing as well. It so, um, it, it is, but he, he he has commentary on himself, like modern Doug. Yeah. But we know, we know that his modern life. Doug doesn't exist. Exactly so right. So you kind of see that side of things where when he does bad things and he shows like remorse or regret for it as modern Doug, that's not necessarily... Real. Yeah. Well, it's not yeah, real, yeah. Is it? good point. Very good point. So... To me, he was, he was portrayed as this this character that was too lazy to get a lot of stuff done, and he depended on a lot of people around him. And I, his parents didn't respect him, and they they I thought they did a really good job about their relationship and and you know how he was constantly wanting to impress them, and how he was that son that stayed alive when they you know were grieving over yeah. the other the son that had died. That's rough. You know, he he let everyone in his life down, like the women he was with. He let his best mate and partner Henry down a lot, um, and he was just this womanizer that you know he just desperately wanted to be accepted. And even when he had the biggest comedy film of all time, that like to him he still couldn't recognize that in his inner self. Yeah, um, and set the bar to yeah, high for set, himself. Too. Well, yeah, and you know it was just constantly about him. He's like, you know, I need to do better. I need to be. I need to be. You know, more popular and. He just needed that self-recognition and I liked that in that case. How can you live life permanently like that, right? It, yeah. It doesn't end. No. You, you, every time you do something good, you got to do something better. It's rough. Yeah. yeah I, I found him a really dislikable character for a lot of the film. Yep. And I think setting up that modern narration actually does soften your view on him um, because of the, the decisions that he makes in hindsight, like I spoke about before. Um, but he was just, he was very aimless. He didn't know what he was doing two weeks from the day that it was happening he went with the flow. He never thought about his com- consequences. Yep. But he's really troubled. Like everything is a joke to him. Everything from like serious conversations with his parents to like relationship testing arguments with his girlfriend. 
he could never turn off that comedic button. And that's that's sad and that's part of like this wider illness that we see a lot with, with people who are in comedy. Um, and, and, and then it, yeah he's like a lot of insecurities like the the comedy comes out in his insecurities in his relationships mm-hmm. and yeah I, yeah I think and they did the, they, they set up so many serious moments and he, he can't he, be screws serious. Over him. he cannot do it like, no. it's not possible um, and then and then he obviously turns to to the drugs and I can only assume that it's either to sort of numb numb that side of him or potentially bring clarity to that side of him which is because when he obviously wrote those lines when he had that massive um, argument with Catherine when he's coked up his brain yep. and he writes those really Caddyshack, important no. lines of Caddyshack, <laughs> Caddyshack like, that yeah. are like main lines in the film so whether the drugs kind of help to like direct him you know use his you know, crazy mind into putting into a certain direction but um, they, they do a good job of painting him as a guy who would be almost impossible to give advice to in, in, in no way is there a situation that he could have listened to someone that they could have turned his life around he just, he just wasn't receptive no. to and that. they tried to make it out that Henry possibly could have been that guy that could have done that um, and obviously it doesn't eventuate but yeah I, I, I think that you know they did a really good job this guy obviously you know it's the 70s and 80s so mental health's not a massive thing in those times but I think they did a good job sort of insinuating that you know possibly this guy used his comedic elements to hide the pain that he was feeling inside. 100%. Yep. All right, Henry. I think we need to... We need so to I, didn't, I didn't know that that was Dobbin Hall Gleeson. I nah, didn't yeah, know yeah. until the end credits came up and his name was there. And I'm thinking like, who? oh my God, that was Henry. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> he was awesome. He did such a good job. But um, Henry Beard was, was, was the likable character in the film, right? He was a more centered, logical version of Doug. Because he had that same quick-witted, almost childish sense of humor, but also the foresight and the direction to make calculated life decisions. Um, but he loved Doug. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ne- you, you never got the sense that Doug ever stopped being his best friend. Um, he was very quick to forgive in that sense. And so many times in the first half of that film when Doug fucks up, Henry's so understanding yeah like incredibly understanding Henry's Henry's the sort of straight line that keeps him grounded a little bit because he's so organised with what he does like yeah. you know he gets his law school application in whereas you know Doug's just like yeah, didn't do anything nah, didn't, didn't do anything. anything and you know I really liked that he had this committed sort of line where he's like you know the day it stops being fun mm. I'm gonna walk away and I liked that you know with his commitment he did that he followed through with that as soon as it was not fun for him he, he, was, yeah, he yeah. got his payday and he was out. And I'm a little bit differing to you in that I didn't necessarily like or find him likable. Okay. Um, I think I connected more with Doug. Right. Um, which, yeah, I, I don't know why, yeah. but I I didn't really like Henry. I didn't find him, like, he was too straight down the line for me. Like, I liked the sort of unpredictability of, of Doug. Yeah, cool. And maybe I connected more with that, you know, he was more unorganized and more, sorry, disorganized and was yeah all over the shop well, what is that saying about you and me <laughs> yeah I think we can work I think we can work it out you're the organised one <laughs> I, I like the fact that also that Henry's world actually existed outside of Doug's so for two thirds of this movie this is kind of the story of National Lampoon mm. and I'm thinking Henry's playing a pretty big role in in this brand right this is the brand that we all know and this is what we're sort of we're coming to see the birth of this you know new train of comedy why are we not telling Henry's story? And then 
you get the feeling that everything would have been all right for Doug if Henry was around. So that had to remove him from the from the narrative itself, um, and probably. Yeah. It's a reality in, in what happened in real life. Henry was like that safety blanket for, for Doug. There was a comment at some stage where they're like, um, you know, um, Doug's the the mum of the, the business yeah. and Henry's the dad. He's the one that, that does get stuff done. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Which is a bit sexist. <laughs> Very sexist. <yeah. laughs> it, was a, it was the 70s, man. 70s, yeah. What other characters have you got? So... Uh, Outside of those two, there's very little to dissect, I good. believe. And um, that's that's good. That backs up what I'm saying in that this is this is Doug's story. It is. And look, I wrote down Matty Simmons. Yep. And I think he's probably just there to showcase how crazy they all actually were and how controversial they all were. Can you believe that the Weight Watchers magazine had half a million magazines in print a month? It's a different world, wasn't it? Whew. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you have a look at what's the fattest nation in the world, anyway. Sorry. No, but I mean in terms of magazines. <laughs> magazines, yeah. Sorry. Um, but I guess no matter what they were doing, is as long as they were bringing in money, you can yeah. deal with it. Like he was getting. I, I I like that scene where he's like, you know, you you pissed off these people, you pissed off these people. Like it's nonstop what they were doing. Mm. Um, but they still kept doing it. I had I had a couple of others down. I just put like Alex and Catherine down there as I had Catherine, yeah. Yeah, I just put well, yeah, they realistically they were there at important times for him. They kept him tried to keep him as grounded as possible, but at the same time he still treated them both like shit. Yeah. No, exactly right. And I think with Catherine, it was interesting because she really wanted to help him through his issues. I think at the time with um Alex, he didn't necessarily that no one knew that he had these issues, right? So mm. it wasn't a matter of trying to help him. But that relationship wasn't really explored too deeply. And I think similarly with Henry, she just wasn't able to get through to him. No one was able to get through to him. And that, that, that chat on the beach, he's like, you need to talk to someone. Yeah. And she, he's like, what, like a psychiatrist? Because she's like, I'm like girlfriend, basically yeah. your wife, and I can't get through to you, man. Yeah. Like, you need someone. You've got an addiction and you're not doing anything about it. You think it's a whole, everything's a big joke. Yep. Um, I had the parents down just because I thought they did a good job in showing how little he felt they cared about him. And, you know, he was doing everything. He, put, he bought him this massive house, was building... He, all he wanted to know, does dad like the big pool I'm putting yeah, in for him? And that, was, that was kind of sad, wasn't it? It was very sad. Um, and then, so obviously you had... They decided to pick these four people. They picked Michael O'Donoghue, Tony Hendra, Anne Beats, and Brian McConaughey as these four characters that they were going to fit in the story. Yeah. And yeah, there's not much to say about them other than that I think they were just in there because you needed some people in that office to yeah. bounce off. But that showcased what the company was all about. All about, yeah. 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 I also just thought the whole Chevy Chase character. Oh, yeah. Uh, he seemed to be someone who was very close to Doug um, and probably appeared at a time when Doug was ready to slip downhill. But they really painted him as a really bad influence on Doug. Yeah. Um, especially at the end when they're in like Hawaii. six days sober. Yeah. How good is this? Yeah. I'll call my guy. Bang. And I'd, I'm very curious to see what how Chevy Chase, yeah. yeah, how Chevy Chase uh, responds to this film or what he would have thought of this film. Hmm. And I don't know. Maybe he's like, yeah, man, that's what I was like and it wasn't great, but I don't know. It's a very good question. The director, David, David Wayne. Wayne. So mainly famous for Wet Hot American Summer yeah, and, and all the uh, TV the shows that have followed. Yeah. Uh, and Role Models as well is a great comedy movie. Mm. One of those movies that you just love to chuck on. I think it's so funny. I'm a yeah. big fan of Role Models. 
they're the only things I had down here as well. <laughs> so, uh, I thought, you know, the cast was, like, it was a pretty impressive list, really. Like, it was fun, wasn't it? Like, you just got people like Seth Green. I was going to say, Seth Green's all of a sudden in it. Yeah, just randomly for a couple of minutes and yeah. that's about it. What's her name from? Charles Boyle was in it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Brad. Joe Lotrulio. Yeah. Um, what's her name that was in Handsome? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I know who you're talking about. She's funny. I didn't, I, I didn't, I only kept the cast of two because I was like, I'm not going to list off every yeah, yeah. celebrity that's in it. Oh, there's still a lot of people that weren't anybody who were playing somebody. But yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Was, yeah. There's a lot of people that just popped up. So, should we talk about some scenes? Yep, let's talk about some scenes. What What did you enjoy? It's funny, because I really enjoyed this film. Um, and I think I just enjoyed sitting back and going through everything. But it's not like any scene really in particular blew me away. Yep. Um, so, I, did, I have mentioned that the comic comic strip of him getting caught cheating. Um, I've got that down too. I thought that was cool. Done. Yeah. The, I think they're called photo funnies. Photo funnies, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just like the... Yeah, it's like a yeah comic strip that yeah really clever, and you know that's when you're just like this guy's such a jerk because hmm. like the, I think his only line of thing was oh I guess I wasn't ready to be a husband and then he's just like sitting there at the end like yeah it's just visually cool too that you know you have the the secretary come in and the wife and then the next scene is her walking out yeah, like was, they just was cool. that was just really used cool. as the scene so yeah. um there was a really good montage of his life basically falling apart alongside the magazine being so successful mm-hmm. and seeing that the strain that it was putting on him before he took his sort of leave of absence. Um, that was great. I really enjoyed that. And then, as I've said before, the whole suicide was just a great twist. It made me stand up and pay attention. That perfect balance between like melancholy and funny. Like This was a serious thing. But the man himself didn't want to take it too seriously. And mm. and they, they really kept that balance in this film, which I, I really commend. Good. I like those. Yeah. Um, I've got, got similar sort of stuff. I I really like this, the tennis racket throughout. Um, so the fir- like literally one of the first things you see is him as a kid in the backseat of the car on the way to his brother's funeral. He's got this <laughs> tennis racket. And yeah. I just like that. That was this check-in throughout and this constant reminder of his dad yeah. um, throughout the film that, you know, his, he goes on this leave, comes back to the office, he's like, where's my tennis racket? And, you know, um, it makes, you know, everyone has a fucked up family. doesn't matter who you are, but that, that tennis racket sort of kept him reminded of, I've got this dad that I still want to impress. I was going to say, it's almost like fishing for that approval, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. He so, asked so many people, like, do you play tennis? Just always brought it up. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, like, that there wasn't anything really laugh out loud in this. Oh, yeah. There was one scene that I did have a bit of a giggle. Okay, cool. And it was very early, like right at the start. They're at Harvard and they've got all these parties and they're playing billiards on the table. <laughs> like they go play the shot and he just throws the cue. <laughs> I just thought that was quite funny. <laughs> I just had a giggle at that one. All right, uh, nice. The, I liked, the, I thought it was quite clever. Like he, his first book that he writes was this, you know, J.R. Tolkien book, The Board of the Rings. And I just thought all the puns yeah. were so in touch like with Sauron and the Hobbits and the Elves and Mordor I was just that like was I, I thought that was very clever that was very cool and you know, I, I, at least as a screenwriter you wouldn't have to write them no you like, just take them from the book <laughs> <laughs> that was cool uh, you meant I don't know if this is the same thing but they had like lots of um, like this sort of cuts of the magazine covers and I'm not sure if that's the same scene where it was like his life falling apart at the same time but there was some, some scenes where they just kept showing all the different covers yeah. like ah oh, there's lots of cool like yeah, jokes yeah. and ideas um, and the last thing too like you mentioned it but I liked it in a different way the the scene at the end with the where he takes his glasses off and you know i thought so they have this shot where he takes the glasses off and it's blurry yeah. so it's like you've got his point of view and i was like oh 
this is the moment where he's going to refocus on his life. He's going to put his glasses back on and he's going to refocus and be ready to take life on. Great. And then it just flipped. And I was like, oh, wow. So that phone call that Henry got. I thought you thought it was going to be him. Yeah, yeah. Being like, hey man, I, I need, need help. help. Yeah. And then the funeral scene, I was trying to think, right? This Doug Kenny's a weird dude. He's faked his own funeral. Oh. That's what I thought he was doing initially. Okay. I'm like, he's that. that's obviously like one of the big things that he did in his life was he threw a funeral for himself. And I'm like, that's fucked up. That's, <laughs> and it took me a little bit to realize and it wasn't until old Doug old came Doug on and said, oh yeah, I was this narrative device. I was like, oh, great. Well done. It got me. Mm. Um, yeah. And I, I should rewatch like the last half hour of this because... I think for a little bit I was just like, hang on, what's happening? What what this is this mm. is great, I'm enjoying it, but what, what just happened? So Good. Alright. So is there anything that you didn't really like? Yeah, not not much, but um Oh, I actually left out on one of the good scenes, unfortunately, yeah. sorry. The scene in the bar with Henry where like you realise that Henry's like this adult and has been a comparison and- <laughs> of their lives yep. and where they went. But I did like that scene as well. The only one scene I didn't like was um when he had that like flip out on the set of Caddyshack, when he sort of like imagined seeing his dad putting and like everyone, and it was the whole Bill Murray like, yeah. hey, does it look like I'm yanking myself? Like, that's the first time you kind of seen him like flip out and tri- sorry, trip out's probably a better way to put it. And I, 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 yeah, I wasn't quite sure. It just didn't work for me. Yep. I, yeah. I guess he did have a few later on when he was like, hey, where's Chevy? It's like, yeah. Chevy's been gone for two days, mate. Like, I, and that one just felt a bit weird. But weird. It, yeah, you know what? In hindsight, it's not that bad. Because I, yeah, I really like this film, so there wasn't much I didn't like. I didn't like the... There's a scene where they're in the office for the magazine and there's like... The guy's got dynamite. Oh, yeah. I just didn't find that funny or... They didn't really explain who'd sent the dynamite and yeah. then the police are like trying to take the guy who works with it. I was like a little bit confused. That's a good point. That wasn't a great scene. And um, You get the feeling that was something that happened in real yeah. life. Um, but they didn't really give the context or the idea behind Because then that girl said, I'll go on a date with you. And then they obviously end up being together. O'Donoghue and... Um, and, and yeah, they end up together. Um, and the other, th- I just wasn't a massive fan of the excessive drug taking. Like, I understand that that's part of the story of what happened, but yep. it was just like, I, I, okay, obviously that happened, but yeah, I was just yeah, like, yeah, it's a little bit excessive. It's kind of important if you want to tell the story of Doug, though. Yep. You seen Wolf of Wall Street? What do you think of the excessive drug taking? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I like Jonah Hill's uh, plastic junk more than the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the film trying to say? What are some ideas? This is this is where it becomes this this is what makes this film more than just a, a comedy film about mm-hmm. National Lampoon, right? So this is an in-depth look on what some of the brightest, sharpest comedic minds go through. It's not uncommon that we see this happening with celebrities even today, and it's often discussed that comedy or the comedians with their own mental mental state are sort of hoping to escape the sort of sadness that they feel inside. You know, highlight on the difference between funny and happy. And I just, I couldn't not think of all these similarities with him and Robin Williams. Okay. Um, and the fact that Robin Williams, even when you hear people talk about him, was he didn't, he didn't switch off. Like the Robin Williams that you see, which was exhausting and nonstop yeah. and hilarious. Robin yeah. Williams to, today is, to, is still the funniest man that I've ever heard. Like, I think he's hilarious, but he had no off switch. And it, there's just something to that, that was, that really stood out to me with the character of Doug Kenny. Um, and I think it's, I think it's a really important movie to be told in that sense because yeah, we we see like a lot of, I mean even like John Belushi and Chris Farley like 
drug overdoses and whatnot. Yep. Like they, their minds are almost there's something wrong with them that we're not picking up, and well, they're not even picking up, and they're trying to numb. I don't know. Yeah. But th- there's a lot to it that I think is a really important message. Good. I, I, that's what I took out of it. Um. I yeah I I have that as well. I was there are other little bits about you know as a, a person like that ability to change and it sort of ties in closely with that as well like yeah. some people don't have that ability to change they you know no matter how many people try to look out for them or try to say hey let's speak to someone else some people just can't they're, they're stuck in that that rut um, and what a great job they did of creating this character and it is a character when you're watching the film creating this character that who you know will never change they've set him up to yep. the point where when he doesn't change you're not like oh that's a cop out it's like, no, I can't not see a change. world where he changes. And that's why I maybe shouldn't have been so surprised by that end. Um, exactly, yeah. but that's why they did so clever. Yeah. It's like the... Yeah. Uh, comedy is this theme as well. Like, um, you know, through the National Lampoon, they sort of, like you, you mentioned before, they sort of changed comedy a bit. And it doesn't, you know, they, there was this, no longer this fine line where it was like, you know, comedy has to be pretty. Like, comedy mm-hmm. could be anything. And, yeah. you know... There was this line, however, between being clever and offensive. And I think that they tried to show that these guys tried to work that line that, you know, they were clever rather than, you know, they made a lot of like these little small references about Ronald Reagan and all this sort of stuff that was clever. It wasn't like filthy, dirty, gross. Crass for the sake of being crass. Exactly. Even though though it was all about tits. Yeah, yeah, they were still there, but there was was method behind it. Method behind it, exactly. Um, They tried, there's this little bit too about, you know, this individual, these two guys that are trying to work build this empire against like you know authority or business or you know consumerism these two guys that are able to build this their own little thing without the yes they needed the Weight Watchers dude but they needed that money to support but you know they break away at the end they're like we're taking our money we're going well they still work for Matty though yeah and and it was still sad like that you saw you know they all left they all left to go work in other projects and that hurt. Like I sort of felt that hurt that, For sure. that Doug was feeling like. He, he actually, yeah, he says it like yeah. at the time when he's in bed with Catherine. She's like, oh, it doesn't matter. He goes, it does. Like it matters to me. Like, And almost like when they're in the cinema too, when they watch Airplane, oh, yeah. the same sort of thing. I was like thinking, I'm like, oh, did he like, is because he made mention earlier about some script about Russians and planes and stuff. And I was like, oh is this like one of his ideas that was stolen? But it wasn't. But it was just yeah. like, you know, that same sort of thing. Like, this is a movie that could have been my movie out that was being laughed it's at. It's when he started to get really dark though, wasn't it? Because he was always just like a big goofball. Like, mm. despite, you know, everything that he was going through, everything sort of had a funny remark. Yeah. But it was and that happened and then obviously the Caddyshack stuff happened and then the press thing at Caddyshack. That's when he was like, he, he transitioned into really dark, dark. thoughts. Mm. You know, the airplane thing is just like, oh, no one's going to watch Caddyshack. It's like, you know, he was right, it wasn't competition. Yeah. He was right, but like, what a way to walk out of it. Yeah. Um, last thing I had was like failure too. This this guy, and we, I've said this before, he was constantly worried about what people thought of him and how he was the he perception was seen, of perception, failure. Yeah, and he just didn't want to be a failure, even though he wasn't one little bit really. Like if you look, if, and you know, they try to put this through in the funeral at the end that you know. His parents have this... His parents. parents have the, this, they're the best people to say Yeah, they have this moment. Like, Look at all these people that actually loved him and yeah. thought he was funny. And I don't know like, if they couldn't recognize with all the nice things he was buying for him that he wasn't actually being successful, but um, yeah. But I also wonder how much of their part of his life that we saw was his perception of their part in his life. 
Mm. You know, he thought that they wanted, they wished that his he had died instead of it. Or he, they thought he wasn't successful, but maybe they kind of did, and that's just how he saw it. Which wouldn't surprise you the way yeah. that the way that he One sees other bit. things. Like, yeah, true. All right. Well, what do we take away from this film? Uh, you can take away a lot, man. Like, I think we've covered it really well, but I I really enjoyed the journey from this snapshot into Hollywood and that little buzz you get from seeing familiar characters. Um, and then, obviously, that clever filmmaking device to, to pull the rug from under my feet um, with that suicide. And then recognizing that real dark, spiraling road that he ended up down. So I, I, I kind of never thought that. And then when it hit me, it hit me hard and I, I kept thinking about it. And the more I think about it now, I'm like, I think it's just a really well-made, clever film. Like, yeah. They've done a great job and I, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah. This, yeah. this is another one where I'm like, I probably would never have found this. No, not at all. Not at <laughs> Even all. though it's got like, quite a lot of people have yeah. watched it. I probably wouldn't have found There's it. There's no and real buzz around it, is there? No. And it makes me want to go back and watch Animal House and Caddyshack. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, you're watching it like, I want to watch these films again. Like, I haven't watched them in years. I didn't know Caddyshack wasn't a success when mm, it came out. Can. And that's a nice little line where it goes, oh, by the way, in 10 years time, Caddyshack's like a huge cult success. That's like one of those movies that it's similar to like Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. It's like on television like three four times yeah, a year yeah. late at night or whatever it's one of those films that you you always see on tv yeah, yeah. so you, you think oh it's one of those cult sort of like like well, that's what it is it I is guess. yeah, yeah it wasn't, I, but you, i didn't know that it wasn't yeah. i just assumed you know it's it's national lampoon or it's technically wasn't national lampoon was it i don't think because he no. i think he went off on his own, his own yeah either way but it's it's that brand it's yeah. chevy chase bill murray like it's um yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it wasn't successful when it came out but you're right you do i want to rewatch them Alright, IMDb, did you jump on at any stage to look anyone up? I did, man. I jumped good. on twice. Oh, good, because I didn't jump on at all. Oh, so. good, because I thought you might have had one of them. Yeah, who? Uh, especially. I'll say that one second. The first one was Carla Gallo, who played Lucy Fisher, which was the chick at the start who was with his first wife at that party. Yep. And then the one that he goes to when he has his first breakdown. Mm-hmm. So, she is in Superbad. Okay. And her name in Superbad is... Period blood girl. <laughs> oh, man. You see the Superbad? I have, yeah. yeah. So, you know <laughs> you know when he's like dancing with the girl and she gets some period blood on his leg? Yep. It's that girl. Okay. And as soon as I saw her, I'm like, what do I know you in? And as soon as I read that, I was like, that's how I know her. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> well, well done for the, yeah. the Superbad guys for uh, naming her something that I can check on IMDb <laughs> yeah. later on and know exactly. Because it had said like her name's like Carly Lucy. Johnson or something. Like, oh, man. The other one was her like boyfriend or partner in yep. the film. His name is Brad Morris, who played the character Peter Ivers. He was in... One of the films we've done. He was. Um, I can't remember. He was yeah. Detective Jerpus from Handsome, yep. who me and Hida had a lot to, that we really liked him. I was like, who is that guy? And I yep, looked at him, I'm like, oh, up. Handsome, he's in Handsome. Oh my God, it's <laughs> Jerpus. Yeah, so that was up. good. That, you know what? No, That's why I love this segment. They are two good IMDb's. Okay. I've so, also got an uh, Did My Dog Bark update. Ooh. So it's been a while since... I can't even think of the dog in this film. You should, because what's the uh, what's the poster of this film? Oh, yeah, okay. Yep. So, so they the show, they show yeah, a dog, the and then they pull the gun on the dog, and Todd, my dog, absolutely lost his mind. The dog didn't make a noise, though, did it? Uh, no, but he probably just looked, looked up and saw a dog. Right? Oh, wow. He, mate, he Good eyes. He doesn't miss Good a eyes, beat. yeah. He's an idiot. But, um, what about the gopher? Did he go nuts at the gopher? No, he didn't. I think table? he must have known that was a uh, puppet. A <laughs> <laughs> he's a smart dog. No, he's not. He's an idiot. But he went mental when uh, oh, wow. that dog didn't came even on screen. Didn't even think of that. 
been a while since we've had a dog update. Yeah. Which has been great. It means I've had to watch, <laughs> yeah. to watch movies without my dog going dog's crazy. Barking. All right. Questions? Yeah. Um, I've sort of answered this or like made sure there is no answer to this, but what could they have done to pull Doug out of his addiction? I wouldn't want it because that's not the truth. No, but no, I'm saying, sorry, I'm saying in real life. Oh, in real life, what could have the people what, what, done? Yeah, what, what could they have done? Nothing much. It was, it was... It feels that way, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wish he had an answer. He did. Yeah. Sorry. This no podcast good. would have blown up. <laughs> Jesse with the answer. No, nah, no answer. All right. Uh, any more? No, it's no. Well, did you know any of these stories from the film at all? Like, because I didn't know any, like, I didn't know anything. No, not, probably not one not, thing. Not only a little specific. Like, they weren't, they weren't really big stories though like even when they bring in like the whole saturday night live thing i yeah. was like oh they just like poached them all and like yeah didn't i didn't know anything didn't know that was, like, yeah. so that was good good to, good learning experience is that, that that hollywood stuff's cool right it's still cool to sort of see that did having so you've got all these big names that you know and then these characters being played by big names that we know as well did that impact your ability to believe them being those people the fact that they had that self-referential scene, scene. where he said yeah, I know they don't look like they're real characters, that but like, player, yeah. that was really good. Okay. Really good way to do it. Even like the way there's a scene, which I would have probably loved to have paused it, and he goes, you know what? It's not all factual. Like, here's all the things that we missed out. That and whole list, show, yeah. yeah. I was tempted to go stuff. back and pause and read each I line. read, I could like read one thing really quickly that was like, so-and-so left the company after something. Like, so, like <laughs> it's obviously real stuff. Real stuff, right. Like, I, even like when he's like, do you think I look like Will Forte when I was 27? <laughs> do you think Will is 27? Like, <laughs> I know he said like all these are all the people that we dealt with and they showed all these names but we're just going to talk about these four like that stuff made it well because really I was still thinking that that was the actual yeah um, exactly Doug the whole way through yeah, yeah exactly some big names that popped up yeah. when they did it I did see John Hughes' name I'm just trying to... <laughs> alright I think we're ready to close this out I think we are this has been a really good discussion I think that's got a lot to do with what the film the film's about yeah. alright so we like to give our film a rating out of 5 work out what our average is MJ what are you thinking oh I enjoyed it and I'd happily watch it again it was an intriguing true story about a man who had such a big impact in the world of comedy but left a really small personal shadow it had a light fun quirky tone and it never strayed from um and explored characters and themes in a thoughtful and engaging way. This is I'm sitting now, waiting. This Ooh, is. This are you going to change your rating? This is four stars. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Good. This was. This was great. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. I like this story. I think I've said that um, the way through, and I had no idea of any of this stuff. So mm. to me, it was a good learning experience too. I would have preferred more on like Animal House and Caddyshack. And I think that's probably just interesting film. Like, yeah, I just would have liked to have known more of those stories about that, that side of things. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it too. I, I liked the Doug story. That, that yeah. To me, that's what's got me is the, the story of Doug. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, there's a lot to unpack yeah. there. So um, I'm giving it a three and a half yeah. out of five, which gives us an average of 3.75. Out it's of so much easier with just two, two of us. us. <laughs> don't have to worry about maths at all. And I'm, yeah, this is great. All right. So we are on social media. We are. We are on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Podbean. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on a lot of things. We're on a lot of things. Yeah. Google search us. You'll find us. You'll find us. We like to have a question for our listeners for the week. This week, which film do you like most? Caddyshack or Animal House? This day, today. It's not a week. Uh, it's been a long time. 
Yeah, that, uh, that's why I said I want to go rewatch them and then yeah. I might have an answer later on. Yeah, true. I'll probably watch them when I wasn't thinking about, about them as much as I yeah, did. Yeah, like I want to go back and watch them now. Yeah, yeah. Especially to see Doug. You know, apparently they filmed a bunch of scenes from both Caddyshack and Animal House when making this film. Yeah. Just because of the way they had to do it. And I'm sure they didn't use probably 80% of it. We need deleted scenes. Deleted scenes. No, yeah, <laughs> true. Oh, come on, Netflix. Netflix. You can give us deleted scenes. Exactly. For your original films. It's Come just on. like a scroll across the menu. We can't Give us buy something. a DVD of it. So no, exactly. So we're back again tomorrow. We another are. film. We are. Another another day leading up to Christmas, and this one I am looking forward to so 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 much. Oh yeah, because I love the two previous films, and I've held off on watching this one. This is Ooh. the 2018 sci-fi horror, The Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, that's right, The Cloverfield Paradox. It's directed by Julius Onar. It stars Daniel Brühl, Elizabeth Debicki. Axel Henny, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, Chris O'Dowd, again! Ooh, the Netflix specialist! John Ortiz, David Olo, and Zhang Ziyi. Zhang Ziyi. Zhang um, Ziyi. A very famous Chinese actress Good. in uh, Crouching Tiger, and she's also in, um, oh, what's that? House of Flying Daggers. Cool. And she's awesome. Big fan of her. So I, I'm putting it, I've said on here I love J.J. Abrams, so... Yeah. He didn't direct this one, obviously, but producer. Yeah, so I've been holding off on this one Sweet. because right. the the first two Cloverfields I saw at the cinemas, opening day. Like maybe this is your little Christmas so this, present. This could be my Christmas present. So you've held off this. I've held off this. And you love? Oh, okay. Yeah. Good job. Held. Held off. I I also own this on. Oh, we'll talk about this tomorrow. Yeah, we'll talk about this tomorrow. We'll hold off till tomorrow. All right. See you tomorrow. See you, <laughs> See you then. See you, mate.